on this episode of AV Week, manufacturers co-opetition, low energy displays, and what's the video conferencing outlook for 2023 and beyond. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure. Because every voice matters. This is AV Week, episode 601, recorded Friday, February 24th, 2023. Pardon our mess. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, first and foremost, Fernando Mora. Fernando is from the 9-11 Museum in beautiful New York, New York. Welcome, sir. Glad to be back. Also with us is Rebecca Sullins. Rebecca is with Claire Global Integration. Welcome, ma'am. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me. Uh, and last but not least, the sage of the AV industry, that's Brock, Brock um, uh, Bradford gave you that name, so I have to say it. I'm legally obligated. Brock McGinnis from Nationwide up in Toronto. Welcome, sir. Great to be back, Tim. Uh, so really quickly, uh, before we get started, the, the AV Nation uh, Reader's Choice Awards 2022 was posted this last Tuesday. Congratulations to all the winners. Uh, a special congratulations to our, our, our buddy and pal, Frank Patakala, who was voted by you, not not me, not Mitchell, um, although Mitchell probably did vote for, for uh, Frank, uh, for the Aviation uh, AV Professional of the Year. So congratulations there. Uh, and thank you for going out and, and voting. Uh, thousands of people came in and, and let us know what you thought of the best products, the best services, and obviously the one of the best people in the industry. So thank you so much. Uh, you can check that out on, on the website. First story comes to us. Um, PPDS has a new zero power, zero power Tableau series of digital signage displays. This new series of displays uses e-paper technology to reduce power consumption and offers a quote-unquote sustainable solution for, for businesses. Uh, the displays use zero energy, zero, <laughs> when showing a static image and only consume power when updating the image. The Zero Power Tableau series also features wireless connectivity, high contrast ratios, and wide viewing angles, quote, making them suitable for a range of applications. BPDS is positioning this display as a solution for businesses looking to reduce their carbon footprint and lower energy costs while maintaining a, quote, unquote, higher quality digital signage experience. Brock, I'm going to start with you on this. Uh, this is not the first low energy. This is not the first green AV that we've seen on the market, but is the latest. And the carbon footprint part is what caught my ear there. Where does green AV fit? Where does it matter? Whether it's a display or another device, where do lower energy, lower energy consumption, or just overall green AV devices matter right now? Well, once upon a time when we were doing um, uh, involved in projects in lead buildings, um, and we were trying to get innovation points. You know, we worked real hard at designing systems um, with, uh, uh, you know, high, high efficient, uh, low energy uh, devices. Um, and then we found out that that really didn't matter the way that the lead folks did their scoring. Um, I, I think that this is a, a real hot button in Europe right now. Um, hmm. elect, uh, electricity prices have skyrocketed. Uh, supply has been limited. 
um, has a lot to do with the conflict uh, currently going on uh, between uh, Russia and Ukraine um, and how the rest of the, the European community has responded to that. So um, I know in, in Germany and, and uh, possibly in other countries, uh, they're actually limiting the amount of time that public displays can be turned on. Yep. Uh, and uh, and so e-paper um, is uh, doesn't consume any energy because it has no backlight. Um, it is a, it, it's a mirror. It's a reflective. Uh, it's a reflective technology, and it uses the sunlight or light from other sources um, yeah. inside in order to be able to work. And it's actually. Uh, it, it, it's actually brilliant, I think, of Philips uh, or or PPDS. Whatever PPDS that. is what they're called now. <laughs> Correct. Um, it's Philips with one L. Oh, that's all I remember. Uh, and uh, uh, I think it's brilliant of them to be marketing in this manner, um, even though it's not really the same as a as a uh, backlit or direct view um, display. My whole entire thought process while I was sort of reaching this uh, or reading, reading about this new technology is where is the practical limitation of it? Because as Brock stated, it doesn't take any power when it's static. It is a bi-stable technology, but it does take, you have to plug it in to update it, right? Because that's when it consumes its power. It's just like your Kindle. It only consumes power when you're flipping pages. Um, but that means that you have to take it off plug it in somewhere, move it, update it, and then hang it back up. This is not going to be practical for any of the large-scale installations. So I don't think that a technology like this is so much going to take the place of existing signage technologies as it is have people upgrade from posters mm, in small right. businesses. You know what I mean? I think this is going to be a new market. It's, I don't think in most places it's going to be able to take the place of the existing signage market. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, Philips was at the dawn of the flat screen world, as I remember back in, in the 90s with their commercials. But um, it, like she said, it depends on how often you want to update. If it's a temporary sign, I, I, for my application, it would be perfect. For example, we I would like to put in a place in which I don't need power. I can just take this, bring it from one place to the other. Maybe at a temporary sign, uh, maybe if in the museum, for example, if there is a scenario in which we re we're building a, an exhibit and we just want to put up a screen saying, excuse, you know, excuse us while we recreate this particular exhibit, something along those lines. Pardon our mess. Pardon right? our mess, something along those lines. Then, you know, whenever, whenever it's done, we can move it, change whatever the content is on it. I'm not sure um, how bright, how many nits this thing is. It's, it's not difficult. any. It's a reflective it's, it's technology. Only, it's a reflective yeah. technology. So, yeah, nits, literally there's no nits, so imagine. Um, so it's not as or how perceptively bright it is to, to someone. I guess is probably the question. And there you go. That's the other thing. Like it could never take the place of most of the signage that I work with because I'm working on a project right now that has 627 displays in it, most of which Ooh. are menu boards or, you know, signage, stuff like that, which in theory, these could function as, but in practicality, nobody's going to go around and take down 500 of these things every month when they update their prices and or offerings, right? So it's perfect so for a temporary space. That yeah, so that becomes a problem. Also, you have to take into account 
account, just like you said, the environmental factors, because you can't guarantee how much light is going to be in whatever environment you're putting this in, right? It is only as good as the lighting you provide to it. So it's, it's, it, there's so many more variables in this kind of technology. Let me throw this out there. And, and I, I got no, you know, I, I couldn't, I, I think it's a neat technology, but I'm not attached to PPDS or Philips uh, for any stretch of the imagination. Could you not replace an existing display with this and simply plug it in and it only draws power when it needs to, right? And, and I'm thinking back when we first started using iPad or control system, right? For control, control displays, you know, the, the, there was several stories about, well, the, the, the problem with using an iPad is you have to have constant power to it. Well, they, they, they solved that problem. It didn't mean that, it, that the iPad remained a, a good use for, for, for control systems, but you could in, in theory, right? I mean, that, my reminds... first thought about that would be ergonomics. It's not designed to function mm. like that. So like the plug probably comes out the side and it's probably got a big wall work because this thing is meant to be super flat and hang on a wall, mm. right? So my guess would be it's not built to do that. If people start using them in that manner, they may change the design. But, you know, just like sure. trying to install an iPad, you know, you've got the plug on the side and then you've got this giant brick. Like that's not conducive to most installation. There are meeting, meeting room in, um, uh, information displays um, mm. that already use this technology um, and they are PoE driven um, mm. and, uh, and have a little network jack that sticks out the back and uh, they sit there and consume no electricity um, but they're updated regularly. Uh, data is pushed to them at the same time as as uh, power is available. So, so there's very, very um, like it. It's just the the amperage draw is minute uh, on them. And they're consuming far less um, electricity than a you know than a, a standard um, you know backlit uh, LCD screen. Sure, uh, and and there are menu boards are actually one of the best uses of them, um, because uh, the lighting already exists uh, at the counter, where uh, that that will reflect on them, and as long as you've got a way to update them, you know that that they are designed with. Uh, and, and I have to think that that the people at uh, PPPDB PPDS, bro. Um, yes, thank you. Um, they're very clever people, and I mm -hmm. gotta think that uh, that they've got that figured it out without figured out without you know physically having to manipulate. It's a um, uh, it's a start, Rebecca. Yeah, and 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 I think that the technology the 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 technology inherent in this product line is valuable. I don't think that the product as shown as designed currently has as many uses as we would like it to. Right. No, but no I, Fernando, you're in, in your world, the exhibit world, you know, you'll, you'll have something up for six or eight or 10 months. Um, and that piece of signage may never change. Yeah. You, you know, the, the, uh, for particular exhibits. Yes, that, that is yeah. the case, but, um, it's just such a niche product that I suspect that this is the first of many, so the next iteration, the next iteration, and the further iterations will probably be the things that we would purchase. Maybe not this product in particular for, for us. Um, again, other than a temporary sign in which I don't need power, I, I'm, I'm not sure that I would, um, I, would, I would utilize something like this yet. 
but it's intriguing. I, I can't imagine how much uh, we spend on all our LCDs. We have in it's probably in the hundreds of LCDs and projectors running at, at one, any one time. Yeah. Or how much you're paying on you know eight by ten pieces of paper that that say you know part pardon our mess. So yeah, the part uh, we'll see. Mess. All right. Uh, next story comes to us from our friends over at AV Magazine. The growth of the video conferencing market is expected to slow down in the coming years. This is, this is according to a report by Future Source Consulting. The report predicts that the global video conferencing market will grow by just 2.6% this year, compared to an estimated 6.2 growth in 2022. The slower growth is attributed to the saturation of the market, as many organizations have already implemented video conferencing solutions due to a little thing called covid uh, however, the report also notes that there are still opportunities for growth in such areas as collaboration and hybrid working. Rebecca, start with you on this. Where are you seeing the adoption of video conferencing today and maybe for this year? I have worked from home since before it was cool to do so. So um, I've watched the growth of the video conferencing firsthand. When I first started working from home, it was not great. Let's go back in 2010. Think, think way back in 2010. Um, and so what I see now is a, everybody has 47 platforms ready to go. Right. I constantly use zoom Teams, 260 web, last count, by the way, there are exactly. 260 VC platforms. Jeez. So, and, and how many can we name off the top of our heads? I could name a dozen, right. You know, yeah. that are the big players now. And just like, any other product, we have hit not only a saturation point, but a lack of return of investment, right? Nobody's come out with a video conferencing platform that does anything new or special. They might do it slightly better than another video conferencing platform, but basically video conferencing platforms as a whole is a concept where once you find one that works for you, you're not going to go out and hunt down another one because it might do something slightly better. You're just not. So the only way we're going to start seeing growth again in this category is if somebody comes up with a really, really awesome new feature. And there hasn't been any of that since what the adoption of being able to control someone's screen with Microsoft teams three years ago, you know, like that was the last big advancement. So I don't know where they go from here, but somebody has got to have the next big idea. All right. Fernando, same question is, is where are you seeing it either internally or among your compatriots? Where, where are you seeing the adoption? Well, for us, um, it's, it's grown by leaps and bounds. Um, everyone, for the most part, you know, we were home for, for two years. And as soon as people returned to the office, that's the first thing they wanted to do. They wanted to meet in our meeting rooms and, and use this, this technology. So, you know, at the time it was difficult to find product. Now at this point, um, you know, it's it, product is is easier to find. Um, although I would say, the the um, the integrators or, or the manufacturers that keep in mind that a lot of these systems are going to go in existing conference rooms. That was one of the biggest pain points that I had when I first started looking for solutions like this. They were all USB based connectivity. So I mean, like, I'm not going to run wires on the floor. So the ones that um, the ones that took into took into the idea said, "Listen, we're gonna we're gonna use cat cable to do our connectivity, which allows mm. people like us that had a ton of cat cable around the conference room to to connect these systems and make them work." So um, we're still building, although we're, we've 
pretty much fitted out all of our conference rooms. Now I'm in the museum space, right? So we're in the, in the entertainment part of AVs, which is somewhat different from from the uh, corporate AV uh, vertical. So my my expertise is is somewhat limited. All right, Brock. Brock, a trick a trick question for you, and and take take either side of this. What markets have reached their max? What markets have been completely saturated, or where? What markets are still are, are there? Are there still opportunities for growth for for soft codec and, and video conferencing? I think that the consulting report is nonsense. Okay. Um, <laughs> there's um, so uh, the uh, the people like Microsoft and Zoom may not sell a lot more licenses, um, but there are a lot more places in the world um, that need um, that need the systems. Uh, you know, there's still, there are still a lot of classrooms, um, a lot of me, a, a lot of meeting spaces, both in, uh, in enterprise and in, in small and medium businesses where, uh, where they're just figuring it out now. Um, you know, the, there are people working from home four days a week and they come into the office and they can't get anything done because they can't meet with the others who are still working from home. Um, and, uh, and I think that there's still a tremendous amount of growth and, and then room for refinement. Um, mm. I've been sitting in on, uh, on demos for uh, Barco's new ClickShare CX uh, 50 Gen 2, which is a dual screen. It enables dual screen uh, conferencing wirelessly. And uh, I've been at two demos with clients and they are out of their minds. They're so excited that we can go back to uh, splitting people and content um, uh, it, on on two different displays without having to buy uh, a Cisco or a Poly or a life size codec uh, and spend that. So, you know, for for low dollars, they can go back to this two screen thing, yeah. um, and and that is going to change people's lives. So the whole. This whole soft conferencing world and or the enablement of us to have meaningful collaboration and meetings uh, with people wherever we happen to be um, has uh, ha is is a gazillion miles from saturation. Well, and I and I think we're also seeing, you know, all growth is relative. We as audio people know that as well as anybody. We live in the relative scale, um, but we saw such a gigantic gigantic boom during COVID that now the growth may seem small, but it's still growing, right? Mm. Oh, yeah, I find yeah. that 2% number a little, a little right. hard to believe. If we um, hadn't had COVID, we'd still be in the 10 to 12% range, right? Well, and, and percentage doesn't matter because 2% two, 2 might mean 50 million units, whereas... Right. It's all relative, million, as she said. Yeah, you're right. units was... 25% five years ago. Exactly. So, uh, Hence it's it, all, it, uh, uh, our base measurement went way up in the last three years. So. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that the most significant change is that uh, it, in a very short period of time, we are going to be unwilling to pay anyone for soft conferencing services. Mm. And, uh, and Mr. Microsoft and Mr. Zoom can go and pound salt as soon as somebody gives us another free version or freemium version that offers the same degree uh, of, uh, but, but that's just me. 
So before we move on, I do want to take a moment to recognize the incredible audio engineer joke that Rebecca just put out there. So um, I'm barely smart enough to... to, About the inverse square law? Yes. So, yeah. yeah. All right. <clears throat> Last story comes to us from our, our website, avianation.tv. There is a brand spanking new partnership between 4A and Aveco uh, to combine their respective technologies to offer a comprehensive solution for broadcast production automation. And this is why we're doing it, because I still love control. Uh, 4A provides switchers, servers, and graphics, while Aveco specializes in automation and media asset management. This partnership aims to provide a quote-unquote complete solution that combines the strengths of both companies. This enables broadcasters to automate their workflows, manage their media assets, and create high-quality content efficiently. Article also notes that the integration of production automation and media asset management is becoming increasingly important in the broadcast industry. And I will also point out that increasingly corporate is getting into broadcast. So that's going to be a factor as well. Fernando, I want to start with you on this. This article to me is, is not just about the, the, the media workflow, but also about getting companies to, to cooperate together or coopetition as a number of really smart folks have, have written about over the years. Really quickly, a reminder, Fernando works at the 9-11 Museum, so he is 100% in the AV user space, even though he kind of manages that. How do you get, Fernando, companies to work together to produce a solution that you can't find on one by one vendor by yourself? So you're looking at something and like, Fernando's like, I need this, but I need these two companies to work together to get this. Yeah, so... My personal approach is finding out whatever the pain point might be doing, you know, going to YouTube university or to do the research or um, trade shows are, are places that I make a lot of contacts, even contacts that I may not need them now. But in the future, I'll hold on to their card. And when a particular topic comes up where, you know what, I need I need this particular solution. I look to my Rolodex. Oh, I remember I met so and so and this other person. Then, because I my approach is to go directly to manufacturers for solutions, and then once we figure out what's what the solution might be, then then at that point I would go to an integrator, and an integrator would come in and then fill out whatever missing pieces that we that we may have. So that's my particular approach with regards to things. You mentioned this foray. Um, right now, we personally use um, you know new tech tricasters, and yep. because of they have what we would some of us would call a killer app with their NDI uh, video streaming protocol, that 100%. is so easy to use and it just it just works. So um, you know that that's that's my approach. That's my approach to it. A big, big fan of new tech as well. So yeah, um, Brock. Same kind of question, though, but from the integrator side, you're 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 seeing an issue, you're seeing a problem that a client has brought up. You need to go to you know two different manufacturers and get them to to cooperate together. How do you do that? No interest. <laughs> they don't have an interest. No, no, I have no interest. You have you, no interest. Guys. You called you called me an integrator. Yes, ah, that is sure. what, that is what integrators do, and that's what we've that's been doing. Fair. No, that's, fair. Yeah. that's what we've been doing forever. Is take. Uh, you know, disparate protocols, um, products from multiple manufacturers, and 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 making them work together. And I think it's I think it's fantastic though when manufacturers um, like a 4A realize that they're uh, 
they're going to have difficulty competing against Ross or competing yeah. against Everts or competing against, um, sorry, I just mentioned the Canadian company's first new tech. Grass Valley. Um, new tech. Uh, Grass Valley, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and they say, you know what? We would be way better off if we if we put those APIs already in place or co-marketed and were able to offer a client a complete end-to-end -end solution, uh, you know, not not just uh, uh, gathering uh, uh, the content or not just controlling the content, but being able to to route it and store it and, and archive it. And and uh, and I think that 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 part of it is terrific. And smaller businesses really need to be to be doing that uh, to leverage what they've got in conjunction with what they they don't have. You don't think that one beyond has that a little bigger customer base right now because they've been working together uh, with the company that bought them. Oh my gosh, the highlight of ISD. Oh yeah, absolutely. Rebecca, uh, last question for you on this. What are the drawbacks of some of this co-opetition or the, this, this cooperation between companies? Oh, that's easy. Uh, pigeonholing, i.e. I let's let's I'm not going to mention any names, but we all know that there are some integrators that have and to pull in conversation number two here have adopted specific protocols for video conferencing with their hardware. Right. Two manufacturers yep. come together and they make a solution. Now, a the big problem here is that means that their hardware only is made to work with that one protocol. So what happens when oh, crap, well, I know this hardware works really well, but I can't use it because this company uses this other conferencing platform, right? You're, you're, you're typecasting every time. You're stereotyping, you're stuck. The second big problem, and this was one that I ran into ooh, a few years ago. Um, again, it was, it was a hardware company with a software company. And then both pieces were shipped to the reseller who then put those two pieces together. Okay. So we're dealing with three companies. When something goes wrong, no one will take responsibility yeah. for no, the item no as a whole. No, you have no one to call, no tech support. The hardware people blame it on the software people. The software people blame it on the hardware people and everybody blames it on the guy that puts it together before they sold it to you. So no one will fix the problem. I spent three days troubleshooting a problem that in the end took me 27 minutes to fix because no one would tell me what the answer was. I hate it. Give me specs on the individual things and let, and you know, I'll put it together in the end, give me yeah. a computer, give me the software and I'll do it at least that way. I know which components belong to whom and who I need to go to, to troubleshoot. All right. That's, That's awesome. a good place to stop. Thank you guys so much. Mr. Brock McGinnis, always good to see you, sir. Uh, we appreciate your time. How do people connect with you or Nationwide? Um, I'm on Twitter, but a lot more seldom these days, at Brock McGinnis. Um, and uh, we are nationwideav.com uh, in uh, operating in Canada uh, and uh, enjoying um, some of the busiest times of my career, Tim. Wow. It's, it's crazy out there. People need help communicating and it's it's a great time to be in the av business yeah absolutely it is uh fernando thank you sir uh how do people thank connect you. with you or how do they find out more about the 9-11 museum uh go to our website 911memorial.org or you can find me on linkedin i don't do the twitters so that's probably best at this point i mean yeah i know i'm a, it helps my sanity 
I still have one, but you know, eventually Elon will probably shadow ban me as well. Mm, so. Well, that's a, that's a touchy <laughs> subject right there, that gentleman. Uh, Rebecca, always good to see you, ma'am. Uh, how do Thank people connect you, with you or uh, Claire Global Integration? Uh, ClaireGlobal.com. You can find us there. Uh, you can always email me, rsullins at ClaireGlobal.com. Uh, I am on both the Twitter and the LinkedIn, so you can find me anywhere that you like. Um, I think I'm even on TikTok somewhere, but nobody needs to follow that. Uh, you can also come see me at Infocom this year. I'll be paneling, presenting, all sorts of things. So come Beautiful. find me. If you've gotten your, your, any of your certificates in the last 18 months, I'm the lovely lady with signature on the bottom, yep. so you can come say hi. Absolutely. Um, and that's about it. Ah, are you, you're the chair of the certification committee? I am. Yeah. I'm the first female chair of the certification committee, too. So I need to renew mine, so just so I can get your autograph. Do it! Is Greg Rushton yeah. still on your committee? Yes, he is. In fact, we just had onboarding this week, and he was still there. So, yeah. Tim, you, you say you want my signature. What's really funny is they resent me mine just so that I would have my own signature on my certificates. <laughs> wow. And I'm going to frame them and keep them forever. I don't care if they expire. That was a CTS in 2001, 2000. I have anything I need to update mine. Yeah, it's just, just to get Rebecca's signature. Um, See? Do it. Uh, and, and I will say that my, my, my dear friend, Jeremy Caldera, did the exact same thing, Rebecca, when, mm -hmm. when he was the chair, just so he could have his. his I had to. Like, I, I just, I find it amusing. Well, thank you so much for volunteering for Avixa. I think that's yeah. a wonderful thing. Um, and it, uh, it, it's great uh, for the rest of us in the industry. Um, we well, I have this problem, Brock, in that I need to be uh, right a lot. It's, I'm an AV nerd. I'm an engineer. You know the type. Um, I also have a lot of brothers, so I'm very competitive. And after I took my CTS test, I was like, some of these questions are kind of bullshit. We need to talk about this. So I started volunteering yeah. and got some of those questions changed. And now, 15 years later, here I am. Well, I, I was like, Fernando, I, I let mine lapse after 20 years or whatever. And I rewrote it a couple of years ago and I laughed because mm -hmm. even now she ain't perfect. No, um, but, but we're trying. Uh, I swear to God. Yes, I know you are. I know you are. No, we've uh, our company has put uh, two people through uh, CTSD and one through CTSI uh, in the last fourteen months or fifteen months. Oh, you're not um, really cool until you have both. No, no, one of them has both. Okay. Yes. Um, a CTSD and, uh, and a CCNA. Those two are pretty cool together. He is. That I want those be. ones too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that so, would be cool. um, and Tim, that. how are you? Yeah. Better, better than I deserve, sir. Uh, better than I deserve. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, do not follow me, even though I am on the Twitters. Um, but go by the website, if you would, please. Avionation.tv. That's avionation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. Rebecca said you could find her at Infocom. Infocom registration is now open. Uh, it is, of course, the 10th through the 16th of June. The 14th, 15th, and 16th is the days or are the days of the show itself. But beforehand, you could get yourself educated and prep for that very CTS test and then get Rebecca's signature. So you can check that out on the website as well. Also, exactly. Uh, we also have a brand new uh, EdTech coming down the pipeline. We just posted a new Women in AV. So check all of that out and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week. Thank you.